Well, brothers and sisters, we are continuing our series on the Ten Commandments. And uh, this morning we're looking at two commandments. We are looking at, uh, well, the two that are on the screen in front of you uh, were just a second ago. That's okay. We're good. Okay. We're good? Exodus chapter 20, verses 15 and 16. Uh, let's, let's just read them together, shall we? Uh, they're short and sweet again. So this is what it says. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. The word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. We, we also, uh, for help expanding and understanding the heart of these commandments, are going to look at Heidelberg Catechism question and answer 111 and 112. So we'll, uh, read, I will read the question, and if you could read the answer with me, uh, that would be great. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, what does God require of you in this commandment? That is the commandment not to steal, that is. That I do whatever I can for my neighbor's good, and that I treat others as I would like them to treat me, and that I work faithfully so that I may share with those in need. 112. What is God's will for you in the ninth commandment? God's will is that I never give false testimony against anyone, twist no one's words, not gossip or slander, nor join in condemning anyone without a hearing or without a just cause. Well, brothers and sisters, these commandments, these both of these commandments are, are kind of related in a way. They are both, in a sense, obviously working against the good of our neighbor in some way or another, and often for our own what we see to be benefit, but also they are both rooted in a kind of deception or deceptiveness. Now, something we need to be aware of, and please don't be overly shocked when I say this, is that sometimes deception is a good thing. Okay? Don't be shocked. How many of you are hunters? You hunt once in a while? Hey? Yeah? Good. You hunt what? Good. And... Uh, and do you, like, step out in the open and you go, Hey, dear ducks, geese, I'm going to kind of come and hunt you now. No, you don't do that? No, what did you do? You hide. You deceive the poor ducks. You deceiver. Right? Right? When you are, for example, hunting in order to provide for your family, let's say, Right? Deception is a good part of that process. E even, even if you are honoring the lives and the gifts of the animals that God has given you and thanking God for those things, deception is part of the process of, of hunting. Right? And you, you find that in nature all over the place. Deception is weirdly an important part of God's creation, 
right? All kinds of creatures deceive, right? They, they, they have colors that help them to blend in or they have colors that help them to announce that they are poisonous to other animals even if they're not actually poisonous. They're just trying to fool everybody, right? And, and that's okay. There is a purpose for deception, we many of us are familiar with the idea of what happened in World War II, uh, especially in the Netherlands and in France and in other occupied countries where um, the Jewish people were being persecuted and killed on massive scales. Over six million Jews killed by the Nazis in World War II. And, and, and some of our ancestors, they helped some of those Jewish people uh, and others being persecuted by the Nazis to get out of the Netherlands. And sometimes in order to do that, they had to do some deceiving, right? They would hide Jewish people in places in their homes that were deceptive in that they were designed to not be seen. Or, or they, would, they would lie to the Nazis who were seeking out these Jewish people who are hiding. And, and, and for the most part, it may make us a little bit squeamish to do that, but we feel that it's justified. And, and part of the reason that we feel that it's justified is, is that we understand on some level that the Nazis who are coming to seek and kill these Jewish people for no reason other than that they were Jewish, that, that they had forfeited the right to the truth with regards to these Jewish people. They no longer had any right to the truth of knowing where they were because they were seeking to harm. We would do the same thing today. If, if your brother or sister was in an abusive relationship and they got out of that abusive relationship, but their, their spouse or whatever was trying to find them to do them harm, would you tell them where your vulnerable brother or sister was? No, of course. Even if you knew, you wouldn't tell them. They have forfeited the right to know the truth about the whereabouts of the person they are trying to harm. Make sense? All right. So we can see, I think, that there is a proper place, weirdly as it may seem, for deception. It's true that even, even God seems to have some purpose for deception. And, and I know this may make you uncomfortable, but think about the story of Samuel. Samuel going to anoint David. Right? Samuel going to anoint David. God says to Samuel, go to the house of Jesse and find the one whom I point out and anoint him to be the next king over Israel. And Samuel, who knows very well that Saul will be in a jealous rage over this and will not take it very well, Saul is a worry for Samuel. And so Samuel says to God, he says, what shall I say if Saul or his men come along and ask me what I'm doing? What should I say? 
And God says to him, God says to him, tell them, tell them that you are going to offer sacrifice with Jesse. Which is true. It's true. But it also omits the key truth that would have been most relevant to Saul's minions. <laughs> right? And so, this is a more complicated thing than we think it is sometimes. However, however, these two commandments are talking about something a little bit different than just deception. They are talking about deception that is possibly somehow in my perception good for me, but is definitely bad for others. Right? And that is the key, that is the heart of what the Heidelberg Catechism and what the Scriptures are talking about here. Remember, what are the two greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor like yourself, right? There is no commandment greater than these. And, and, and Jesus says further there, He says, all the prophets and all the law are summed up in these two commandments, right? So these two commandments about not stealing and not bearing false witness against your neighbor are also part of that summary, correct? Right? So, so then when... The Bible talks about not giving false witness against your neighbor. It's no wonder that the Heidelberg Catechism starts to talk about A, never giving false testimony to anyone or against anyone, excuse me, never give false testimony against anyone, twist no one's words, right? B, don't twist anything. It's not just about testifying in court against somebody else. It's also about not twisting their words. It's also about not gossiping or slandering, not saying bad things against people behind their backs or not making up bad things about people and saying those things out in public. Don't join in condemning or rashly or without a hearing. Right? Don't make judgments against someone without a hearing. And <laughs> we do this so easily, don't we? Right? We do it so easily. It is especially easy for us when the people are maybe not super close to us, right? I, how many of you have driven into Athens from the east? recently. <laughs> Most of you have probably come in from the east at some point or another. There's a flag that's on a house or near a house. Um, I hate that flag. Not because, not because I'm a big fan of Justin Trudeau, but because, really? Like, has this person given Justin Trudeau some kind of hearing? and come to a just and reasonable judgment about not only his politics, but also his person? 
Is that what's going on there? Has there been a court and the official decision of the court is to do what that flag says? I don't think so. Right? But it's, it's not, of course, just that household that has that problem. Right? We all, we all do that. Right? We, we do that to Donald Trump. We stand there and we say, oh, he's blah, 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 whatever we say. Or we do that to Joe Biden. Or we do that to whatever political leader happens to be around. Even with Vladimir Putin. Okay, not a fan of what he's doing. On the other hand, I haven't sat down with him to give him a fair hearing. I know I have a suspicion of how that might come out, but I haven't done it. So maybe I should be a little cautious in condemning the man, not necessarily, you know, it's a little bit different. The actions of the man we can see are problematic (laughs) at best. Do you see what we're saying here? Right? The Heidelberg Catechism is telling us that we shouldn't even join in condemning anyone rashly or without a hearing. Rather, in court and everywhere else, I should avoid lying and deceit of every kind. Okay? Yes, that's true. Although the Heidelberg Catechism is not taking into account the kinds of situations that we were talking about with the Nazis and the Jews and so on and so forth. And they would call down, these are the very devices the devil uses, and they would call down on me God's intense wrath. I should love the truth, speak it candidly, and openly acknowledge it, and I should do what I can to guard and advance my neighbor's good name. You see how it goes so much further than simply whether or not I bear false testimony against anyone in court. Right? And and then moving backwards a little bit to question and answer 111. What does God require of you in this commandment? This commandment to not steal. That I do whatever I can for my neighbor's good. See how it it changes it from something just Instead of a negative thing, don't steal, the Heidelberg Catechism transforms it into a positive thing, right? That I do whatever I can for my neighbor's good. That I treat others as I would like them to treat me. And that I work faithfully so that I may share with those in need, right? Moving from the negative to the positive. Moving from don't steal to do, do everything you can for your neighbor's good. See, and this is where we start to get again at the heart of the commandments, right? The heart of the commandments to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself as embodied we see in Jesus Christ who did that every day of his life perfectly well. So he is our example, once again, of what it means to live as a human being. As a human was meant to live. Brothers and sisters, 
We are called most definitely to image God. To live out God's love in this world. To do that which is good for our neighbor and for God and for ourselves as well. To honor God through these things. So, what does that mean? It means that we get to be free from theftliness, right? <laughs> free from theftliness, right? Free from the desire to steal from others. Free from, as we will talk about a little bit later, covetousness, wanting what other people have. We get to be free from greed, from desiring to accumulate more and more for ourselves, whether it is coveting other people's possessions or the people in other people's lives or whatever it is. And then we get to be free as well from the heart of deceptiveness, that satanic deceptiveness that seeks to do harm to others and ultimately does harm to everyone. Just like adulterousness, brothers and sisters, where we learn that we can be free from the damaging influence and desire for adulterous, lustful, sexual sins. We can live in the freedom of being away from those things. Brothers and sisters, I know this is a little bit hard to take in in some ways. It's kind of like what Jesus said when He said, to his disciples whom we, he was sending out to minister, be as wise as serpents and as gentle as doves. Right? We don't go out doing things for our own benefit. We do go out doing things for the benefit of others and for the glory of God. But we don't do so completely naively either. We do so with wisdom alongside. Saying, no, you can't murder the Jews that are hiding in my household. No, you can't go and kill David, whom God is anointing as the next king of Israel. No. We will not let you assault the woman or man that you have been attacking. We will protect them and save them from you. And all, all the time, we love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we love our neighbor as ourselves. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you, O oh God, 
Thank you, O God, for the wonder and mystery of this world that you have created. Thank you, O God, for hard and difficult and nuanced sort of lessons that we must learn, O God. I have to confess, O God, that I am a little nervous in myself that these words will be misunderstood or that I have not done them justice, O God. But you know, O God, you know that each of the commandments is not simply a rule to follow, but rather points to a higher heart a deeper meaning. Not that, the, not that the commandment is less, but rather that it is more. And so, Lord, we pray. Would you help us? Would you help us to know in this world the difference between murder and justice? The difference between adultery and love. The difference between lying and protecting. The difference, the difference in all of these things. Between the heart and the surface. Father, would we just as you, Jesus, did as an example to us, would you free us to love our neighbor and work for their good, to advance their good name and share with those in need? May we work faithfully. May we not twist words. May we avoid gossip and slander May we not condemn anyone rashly. And certainly may we not steal or give false testimony either. Lord, make us free from these things. That we may love you in these ways as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so here's something you need to remember and know that you can always come and talk to me about my sermons. Not that that was a bad sermon. I think it was a good sermon-ish. But you can always come and... I'm a little... I know, Jared. You're, yeah, Jared's saying, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, you are. And that's fine. You, you should do that. Um, it was complicated... Okay, so here's the thing. The Pharisees, and I think all of humanity since the fall, we love rules. We really do. Because they simplify things. Right? You know, somebody spills some, 
some juice in the carpet in the fellowship hall, let's say. Not that this has happened. But let's say somebody, oh, maybe it has. <laughs> somebody spills some juice in the, fel- or in, in the fellowship hall or in the sanctuary or whatever, and we make a rule. We say, not that we have, I don't know. But if we do, like the easy thing is to make a rule. Nobody has juice in the, in the sanctuary anymore. That's the easy thing to do. Problem solved, right? But that's not the heart of what God is trying to do with us. He wants us to grow up. And growing up doesn't mean blindly obeying a bunch of rules. That's not how it works. If I want my kids to grow up, I need to equip them so that they can have the principles that are really important and be able to apply them in a variety of circumstances throughout their whole lives. Which means not rules, because the rules will break down and cause them trouble. It means wisdom. And, and, and that's what we're trying to get across here. That's what I believe God is trying to communicate with us. Is that it's not as simple as don't steal or don't lie. I mean, to be specific, it says in the commandment, don't give false testimony against others, which is different than don't lie. But anyways, right? It's not as simple as that. It's, it's in the same way that Jesus says, it's not as simple as don't commit adultery or don't, uh, don't murder, right? It's, it's not that it's less than those things. It's that it's more than those things and that they require wisdom. So, that's what I believe God is trying to get across with all of these things. Is that we need to grow up, which means accumulating wisdom, so that we can, through the work of the Spirit constantly in us, through the fellowship with the believers, through the iron sharpening iron, we can become more and more who Jesus wants us to be instead of just rule followers who try to check the boxes. Anyway, so that being said, always, 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 you are more than welcome to come and talk with me about any of the messages that God has or any of the things that I do or say or whatever. Um, I always appreciate it when people do, even though sometimes it's hard, to be honest, just like with any of you, right? If, 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 you're, if, you're, if your mom comes to you and says, I'm disappointed in you, right? That's hard to hear, right? It might be true, um, but, it, but it's hard to hear. And, and not that you guys do that to me, but, oh, man. Anyways, you're always welcome. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> All right, brothers and sisters, thank you for listening and for being such a wonderful community Brothers and sisters, we're going to stand and sing as our song of response, Be Thou My Vision, and let it be our prayer that regardless of all the nuances and the details, we would focus so much on God as our vision, Jesus as our Savior, and follow Him. Let us stand if you are able.